Last week, we took you inside a factory farm with the leader of Direct Action Everywhere, or DXE. The meat industry has called DXE one of the most dangerous animal rights groups out there. We looked at the role of virtual reality in the group's campaign against pig farming. And if you haven't gotten to listen to that episode yet, I recommend checking it out. Today, we have another chapter in the story of slaughterhouse break-ins. This one unfolded with the COVID-19 pandemic, and it looks at how cheap technology is changing surveillance. Wired senior writer Andy Greenberg is back with me this week. He's been following this animal rights group over the last year. This is Get Wired, and I'm your host, Lauren Good. Hey, Andy, thanks for joining me again on the show. Hi, Lauren. Glad to be back on. So where did we leave off after the last episode? So last week, we focused on Wayne Xiong, the, the founder of Direct Action Everywhere, this very radical animal liberation group. But Wayne has decided to shift gears and run for mayor of Berkeley. So in March, as this pandemic was shutting down the United States, really, um, another Direct Action Everywhere member got a disturbing tip. And this tip came from a whistleblower working in the pork industry in Iowa, specifically working for this pork producer called Iowa Select Farms. And the source told this Direct Action Everywhere activist, Matt Johnson, that in a matter of days, an Iowa Select Farms facility was planning to do this procedure where they would seal off a barn. They turn off the ventilation and hundreds or thousands of pigs inside are left to essentially suffocate and die. They sometimes pipe in steam or carbon dioxide to raise the temperature so that these pigs are essentially roasting to death. This procedure is called a ventilation shutdown. The American Veterinary Medical Association had officially condoned this method, for at least for some circumstances, and had written that it could be categorized as euthanasia because the animals wouldn't suffer too much and that uh, most of them were meant to die within one hour. But when Matt read the description of a ventilation shutdown, he just didn't believe that this sounded painless. So Direct Action Everywhere, DXE, is based in Berkeley, California, but Matt and a whole group of other DXE activists decide that they need to get to Iowa immediately and try to record this and expose it to the world. Now, why might a farm explore ventilation shutdown as an option even? Well, it starts with the pandemic. Just like so many other workplaces, factory farms have had to pause or shut down their operations to protect the health of their workers, among other things. So they haven't been able to kill and process animals and particularly pigs as fast as they usually do. So by April, the meat industry has millions of animals that it doesn't know what to do with. So Matt hears about this technique to kill as many animals as possible known as the ventilation shutdown, the sort of worst of the worst practice that is about to happen at Iowa Select Farms. Iowa Select Farms is one of the biggest pork producers in the United States. They say that they take to market more than 5 million pigs a year. So at that point, Matt says, okay, I'm going to Iowa and I'm going to find a way to film this. Right, and for Matt, this is interesting because it's kind of going home in a sense. Matt grew up in Iowa in a small town where he says that the meat industry kind of permeated everybody's lives. He told me... It was very much this very normal thing, this very wholesome thing to, to be proud of. He remembers this experience when he was four years old of being 
given us a venison sandwich and taking a bite out of it. And I'm hearing my uh, uncles uh, over my shoulder and they're, they're talking about deer hunting. They're talking about killing deer in a very jovial kind of a way that was just very jarring and shocking to me. This is, I think, something that like a lot of kids experience, you know, this realization that, you know, dinner is Bambi or whatever. But in his parents thought it was just a phase, as most parents do when this happens. But it wasn't. So I was basically a, a silent vegetarian for, for, for 20 plus years. So after kind of keeping his vegetarianism to himself for decades, Matt uh, one night saw a Facebook video from a DXE activist. Excuse me, can I have everyone's attention for a moment, please? And it showed this activist doing one of these stunts that DXE does where he was standing up in the middle of a steakhouse and uh, kind of proclaiming, giving this speech. The animals whose bodies are being sold in this restaurant did not want to die. And for Matt, this kind of almost closet vegetarian, this just really spoke to him and he found himself alone at 2 a.m. just watching this Facebook video and crying. He, not long after, packed up and moved to Berkeley to join Direct Action Everywhere. So basically overnight, he converted from a secret vegetarian to an activist living in Berkeley. Right, so fast forward to this year, and Matt is now really one of the most active operators in Direct Action Everywhere. And this spring, he just, with a group of DXE activists, uh, got on a plane to get to Iowa Select Farms. But as they're driving out to the farm, they hear from the whistleblower that they've already missed the ventilation shutdown that had happened that day. But they're still determined to get inside the barn and try to document the aftermath. So they wait for the sun to go down. And then Matt told me they drove as close as they could to the barn without being noticed. And it's this metal-sided, sprawling barn, one of, of three on the property, surrounded by cornfields in every direction, kind of a typical Iowa landscape. So we got out on foot and walked along the, the gravel road and walked uh, through the, the field nearby there and uh, did our best to stay out of street lights and moonlight to, to avoid detection from anybody who may be watching. And so they sneak up to the barn. As I reach out for the door handle, I'm thinking, is it going to be locked? Is there going to be an alarm? Are there going to be flashing lights and screaming siren sounds the moment that I put my hand on it? But as I actually reached out for it, it, it twisted and it came right open. So they go in. And what did they find? They found blood everywhere, spattered all over the concrete floor. Um, the ventilation shutdown, as they knew, had already happened. Um, and hundreds of pigs had been killed and hauled away with chains off to a landfill. Um, but they were told by the whistleblower that this had been a kind of test run. And what they could see from all of this blood is that the test had failed. They guess, and then the whistleblower actually later confirms, that the animals had survived hours of suffocation and heat and were just left there writhing on the floor. And the staff had to walk among them with a bolt gun just killing them one by one. I, I was horrified by what I saw, and I, everything inside of me was wanting to, to break down or to cry or to go and confront these people. Like, what are you doing? Like, how horrifying is that? And I really had to suppress that and say, 
right now, what's actually most important in the long run is to make sure that this is documented, make sure that the public sees this. So that was their first attempt to capture the ventilation shutdown. So do they keep trying after that? They were still very determined to get this on camera, and they knew that Iowa Select Farms was going to have to try again. So they kind of camped out in Iowa, waited in hotel rooms, and a week and a half later, they heard from their whistleblower again. And he reaches out to tell them that there's going to be another attempt at a ventilation shutdown. Matt and you know his group of DXE activists are now determined to go and plant hidden cameras inside of this facility before the ventilation shutdown happens. Because this time they want to get ahead of it. They want to capture it. You know, they want to expose what's happening. What's DXE's approach as they're getting ready to capture this? What they're trying to do is essentially this incredibly physically challenging documentary shoot. They have to have cameras that are small enough to be hidden, that uh, have battery life that will allow them to plant them well ahead of time, that capture enough of the room to really, you know, get the grisly action that they're trying to expose, uh, and that will survive terrible conditions like very hot heat and steam. So they, they think that they can put GoPros inside of a Tupperware container and then hide that inside of a kind of cut in the insulation inside of the bar. That's their plan. So the night before the next ventilation shutdown arrives, they need to wait for a change in the workers' shifts when they think that they'll be able to go in and plant their cameras and get out. So they go to the farm and they hide out around it in the early evening and they wait and an hour passes and then two and then three and the workers aren't leaving. So pretty soon it's broad daylight and they realize that this window of opportunity is not going to happen and that they're going to be stuck there as pretty obvious trespassers on this land. We had Iowa Select Farm trucks swarming all around the shed that we're hiding in and the situation very quickly pivoted from us trying to plant cameras to us frantically trying to figure out how the heck we can get out of this place without being caught. So Matt tells everybody on their walkie-talkies just to run and they retreat to their getaway car and drive away, but they're still followed for a little while by Iowa Select Farm vehicles. So after essentially missing one of these ventilation shutdowns and then botching their attempt to record the next one, the whistleblower tips them off that there's going to be a third one. So they they decide to try one more time. And they, they realize that, you know, pig barn full of steam aside, just the actual heat from the GoPros inside of a Tupperware was enough to make their battery run down really quickly. So they have this battery life problem and they're brainstorming about how to solve it. When they come up with the idea of just using the internet, basically, using internet-enabled security cameras that they can plant inside the barn long before the ventilation shutdown happens and then only turn them on right before the event uh, using a Wi-Fi hotspot. And that's ultimately what they would do. So just about three weeks after they had first arrived in Iowa, Matt and the team go in and they hide these little Wi-Fi enabled security cameras in the insulation of the walls of the barn, pointing directly at where they think the pigs are going to be. They also add an audio recorder closer to the door of the barn where they imagine they might be able to pick up some sounds of the workers. So Matt goes back to his hotel room to wait. And based on the attempts before, he thinks that the ventilation shutdown will happen at 6 a.m. And he's afraid that if he turns on the cameras too soon, their batteries will die. So he's just 
staring at his computer screen all night, essentially, waiting to hit the button to start recording. It was the most nerve-wracking night of my life because, uh, <clears throat> you know, we could see that it was working, but we, we, again, we just don't know what the battery life is going to be like. So around 5 a.m., Matt is getting antsy, and he decides to turn on the cameras an hour early and finds, in fact, that the ventilation shutdown has already started. The scene was completely steamy, and you could could not see much of anything. You could still hear pigs, the pigs that were still alive, screaming and and shrieking and squealing in pain. This is what Matt heard. That sounds... Yeah, it's, I mean, it is to me like the sound, not to be melodramatic, but it's like the sound of hell. It is, I don't know, maybe like one of the worst things I've ever heard. Yes, there's suffering happening when you hear that. Two and a half hours later, you're still hearing pigs. They kept filming until there was silence, until the, the pigs were dead. Um, the footage then shows the steam clearing and workers with bolt guns walk among all of these corpses and kill the last remaining pigs that might still be alive. Did you get a sense of how Matt was feeling as he watched this footage live from his hotel room? I thought that Matt would be traumatized by hearing that. But in fact, I think he is such a, a veteran of these operations that when he got it, I think his, his the first reaction that he described to me was success. We We got the shot. As much as this is just sheer brutality happening right in front of your face and you know it's happening right now, there is also a part of me that is just so gratified that we've captured it. The night after the ventilation shutdown that they've filmed, they go back to get their cameras and their audio recorder. They find that the cameras have been confiscated, have been found by the staff of the farm. But their audio recorder is still there, it's still hidden, and it's still, it's been running this whole time because it has a much longer battery life. And when they leave the farm and listen to what they've recorded with that audio recorder, they actually hear the staff discussing the fact that they have been the target of surveillance. Hey, Michael. And on the tape, you can hear one worker saying, could you see any hogs dying? And the other one responds, it would give a view of the pigs. So I would say yes. Later, um, the supervisor says, don't stop till you find the transmitter. And you've got to be careful. They might be listening to everything that you're saying. Which I think is like an amazing moment of capturing this kind of feeling of uh, paranoia that anyone would experience when they know that they've been surveilled. So DXE finally has this video and audio. Where do they go from there? Really, they gave everything that they recorded to Glenn Greenwald, uh, The Intercept, who, of course, is a famous Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter and also a, a, a very staunch animal rights activist himself. And he published it three days after they had recorded it, and it made quite a splash. I saw plenty of people on Twitter, for instance, just kind of expressing their 
their, you know, at least momentary dismay at this, this new horror of the pandemic. So The Intercept publishes, and at five o'clock the next morning, Matt wakes up to the sound of cops banging on his hotel room door. I'm standing there in my underwear in the hallway of this hotel room. It well, eventually got to a point where I was allowed to, they put, they put my sweatpants on me and I was dragged outside still uh, with my shirt off. So they take him to the county jail and what they actually charge him with is nothing related to the filming of this ventilation shutdown operation. It's actually about different incidents. It's about a time when he had gone onto the farm after they'd recorded to try to ask questions of the chief operating officer and confront him. Roasted alive! And then another totally different operation where they had rescued a piglet. And, you know, Matt thinks it's pretty clear that his arrest is really about the recording of the ventilation shutdown, but that they don't have evidence that he's responsible for that. And so they're just charging him with what they can. So he's detained in an Iowa jail. He's facing felony charges. What happens next? He absolutely, you know, had his playbook ready in jail and he went on a hunger strike and demanded that the governor of Iowa responds and make a statement about the fact that the American Veterinary Medical Association had sanctioned as ethical and, you know, a form of euthanasia what he had just captured, this really hellish, screaming torture uh, of pigs. So officials in Iowa realized, it seems, that they had this public relations nightmare on their hands. So less than a day after arresting Matt, they let him go. It goes from, you know, $5,000 cash bond, we're holding you, to literally the $5,000 bond is is gone and you don't have to sign anything. And, and like, literally, I'm, I'm kicked out of jail. Like, I am not <laughs> permitted to stay in jail. So where do things stand now for Matt? So Matt is facing a tentative trial date around the middle of October. And his ideal situation is that he goes to trial and that the jury sees what he thinks of as the moral justification for what he's done and nullifies the charges against him. Maybe more likely, and what has happened so many times before in these cases, is that the agriculture industry that Iowa Select Farms sees it's just better for them, public relations-wise, to drop the charges than to have this big trial that will only result in more attention to all the things that he was trying to record and bring to the public. So DXE have succeeded at this point in at least getting some attention from this video release. And I'm wondering, what does Iowa Select Farms have to say about all of this? I reached out to Iowa Select Farms and they declined to comment. But Back in May, the company put out this statement that said, quote, Not surprisingly, animal activists are trying to exploit this current challenge in agriculture to advance their own agenda. It also said, It is disappointing that these individuals would try to use what is a profoundly difficult time to undermine the mission of every farmer. I do believe that even Iowa Select Farms did not want to do this. Like, th this was painful for them. But it may have been painful for different reasons. <laughs> they... They lost a lot of money. They probably do believe to some degree in, in this mission of trying to feed people. And these pigs were being killed not to feed anyone. About three weeks after the video release, Iowa Select Farms put up a new statement. And this time they were saying that they had increased their capacity um, for pigs by many tens of thousands. And as a result, they wouldn't be doing any more ventilation shutdowns. So it's difficult to measure the effects of these sorts of actions that DXC takes. But in some sense, it kind of seems like they won this battle. 
I think that Iowa Select Farms did start to see that there was a cost to these things just in the terms of their reputation. That, you know, even Americans who are nerd to the idea that the meat industry is just a kind of constant uh, assembly line of animal killing <laughs> didn't love the idea that many thousands of animals were being killed in a way that wasn't even providing food. And I also think that what DXC did here will force other pig farms to think twice before they do their own ventilation shutdowns, before they you know suffocate and kind of cook thousands of pigs on mass in this way. And they'll think, you know, could the same kind of embarrassment, the same sort of surveillance be used against us? So Andy, in hearing you tell this story, one of the things I keep thinking about is this idea that a lot of activist groups might not go to the length that DXE does when it comes to these operations. But almost everybody has access to the same technology now to capture stuff. So I'm wondering how this changes the game for activists. You know, the big like idea of direct action everywhere that I, you know, I'm so fascinated by is that they are gaining the ability to do impressive surveillance operations with cheap gadgets, like the stuff that's available to anyone. I mean, that is the way that the world is going. Like, this is what is making groups like Direct Action Everywhere powerful. The sort of stuff that was only available to intelligence agencies a generation ago is now available to, like, you know, Matt, who just flew in and then went to Best Buy. Uh, and then kind of built his whole kit in a couple hours. When surveillance comes from governments, people's behavior changes. They're afraid to speak their minds or to express opposition to the government, even in private, when they know that they're being surveilled. But this time, the surveillance is being targeted at a really powerful and arguably very morally questionable industry. So it's really this whole idea of using technology to keep tabs on the powerful instead of the other way around. I keep coming back to what Wayne Xiong, the founder of DXE, says about this problem that, that DXE is trying to solve of how to make people become aware of animal rights. What they're doing is a kind of surveillance. Surveillance is usually about the powerful using surveillance tools to spy on the little people, on us. But surveillance is when normal people, activists, journalists, dissidents, grassroots, whatever, are using the same tools in many cases to spy on the powerful, on governments and big corporations. And that's what DXE is doing here. A generation ago, those cameras would have been bigger and more expensive and maybe prohibitively expensive. Maybe like a little scrappy organization like DXE couldn't have afforded to do this. All of this would have been impossible. So, and now it's cheap and doable. So where does it, you know, where does it end up in another 10 or 20 years? I mean, these cameras could be so tiny, so high resolution, uh, practically invisible. And when that's the new reality, like how do you run an operation like a factory farm where you're trying to keep the public eye out of it? And this new kind of fear, you could say, that you're striking into the heart of this very powerful industry that thrives on secrecy. This fear of surveillance now applies to so many other industries and institutions that have always tried very hard to avoid public scrutiny. I'm thinking about law enforcement and prisons and sweatshops, 
the fossil fuel industry, all of them in the same way as the meat industry now have to fear more and more that they are being watched. Andy, these past two episodes have been fascinating. I've learned so much and I think our listeners probably have too. So thank you for reporting on this and thank you for joining me on Get Wired. Thanks, Lauren. I appreciate the chance to tell these stories. That's it for this episode of Get Wired. Get Wired is hosted by me, Lauren Good. You can follow me on Twitter at Lauren Good. This episode is reported by Andy Greenberg, and you can find Andy on Twitter at A underscore Greenberg. Thanks to Matt Johnson, press coordinator and activist at Direct Action Everywhere, for coming on the show. This episode was produced by senior producer Liz Mack and Anna Stitt. Additional production help from our assistant producer Alex Jerome and Mickey Capper. Nina Gensler-Debs is our podcast editor. Megan Greenwell, the editor of Wired.com, is our story editor. Our executive producer is Alex Kappelman. Scott Rosenfield is our site director. Wired's editor-in-chief is Nick Thompson. And Julie Shen oversees our audio initiatives. Hannah Brown mixed and scored this episode. And theme music is by Allison Layton Brown. You can find us on Wired.com forward slash subscribe forward slash get wired. And there's more info in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this show, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.